Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday American edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, where we only feature American guests talking about nobody from Canada ever talking about American hockey. Hey, (laughs) whose voice is that? Wait a second. Hold on. Let me just go find all my gold medals from the best on best hockey from the last 40 years. Hold on. Wait a second. Hold on. Wait. Hold on a second. Oh, look. I I got a picture of Marty Berdeur from Salt Lake City right behind me in my office. Look at that. I'll take your word for it. We can't see it. Somebody has hacked the. Somebody has hacked the line. Who is this? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the star of yesterday's trade deadline. Now on our podcast, Pierre LeBron joins Sean Gentili and I on our special. Well, I don't know how special it is. We were doing this anyways. It's Tuesday, <laughs> but it's special because Pierre's here, and we're going to talk trade deadline. How are you, Pierre? I'm, are you guys? I, I'm honored that you guys uh, thought of inviting me on after the first ten people canceled. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, mm. it's you know. It's, you finally came north north of the border. 11th choice, best choice. Yeah. I thought it was crazy. I think the craziest part of the TSN Deadline show was when they had an isolated camera on you for like 45 minutes. That was wild. Did they really? The Pierre, the Pierre, the Pierre, <laughs> the, Pierre, the, Pierre one, the Pierre one shot feed that they had on ESPN Plus. Yeah. I was not expecting Thank that. God, that's not true because you'd, oh, <laughs> you'd see me drop a lot of F bombs when I didn't realize it was on air. Oh, yeah. he's I, looking at his phone. Oh, no. Exactly. Although I will say, Weeks, Kevin Weeks raised the game in terms of uh, of backdrops and breaking news from all over the place. Um, Pierre, I think I think you should you should convince TSN just to let you like fly around the world next year and do it from like here I am in the Bahamas breaking a trade. There's there's no way I'm going to do video trade tweets. I mean, half the time. <laughs> come on, I mean, get with the times. I mean, Wait. sometimes I'm not wearing pants. I mean, come on. I mean, you can <laughs> whatever. No, yeah. you just you just you just incorporate it into the budget and fly around. So it's like yo like Johan Larson for a fourth. <laughs> this is Pierre LeBrun live from in front of the Parthenon <laughs> in Greece. The Parthenon. Oh man, man. Weeks he was a big star of this trade deadline period. He, he he brought it up a notch. That was fun. Oh my gosh. Well, Pierre, I like. Great work as always. Let me start there. I know, I know how stressful it is. I know you have to like. I'm glad you're even like talking right now because I know the buildup can be hard and it's so competitive. And as always, you are at the top of the list. But I want to start here. Normally, we're all done with trades at this point. We can <laughs> recap and everything's gone through. Um, but there's a trade sitting there. We like maybe this will get resolved in the next couple hours. I don't know. But Dadnov. To the Ducks is under review. I don't. I, I, have we seen this before? What's going on? It, uh, it it is very interesting. First of all, the trade itself was fascinating. We, we had we, we were tracking it throughout the day, and I was kind of careful when I brought it up on air. I didn't tweet about it, even though we knew it was it, it, uh, even though it was in discussion because we were so. Uh, confused by whether or not it was going to go down, and so. Um, 
you know, and it was the last trade announced basically of all right. the trades that were in the central registry queue. It finally came out late, late yesterday. And, um, and now there seems to be, uh, just following up a lot of the reporting from my colleague, Darren Dreger, um, some concern about whether or not that Onoff uh, was asked to waive his no trade to go to Anaheim and whether Vegas was aware of the parameters of his no trade and whether or not the Ottawa Senators properly disclosed his no trade when they sent him to Vegas last summer. So there's all kinds of layers to this. The NHLPA is involved. Um, it must be really stressful for Ryan Kessler, especially. I mean, he, he, he must really be stressed right now. <laughs> well, Ryan uh, doesn't know where he's going to play tomorrow. I hope he's he okay. He doesn't know where he's going to play. <laughs> we should get Ryan, uh, noted American Ryan Kessler. We should get him on just to talk about what it's like uh, uh, to be in the, in the middle of this contract. I didn't know his contract. I'll be honest. I didn't know his contract was still a no, thing. me neither. If we're being completely honest here. And, and by the way, he should be... Uh, he should actually be thrilled that for, I mean, it's the last six weeks of his uh, NHL contract. Of course, Ryan doesn't play anymore. Injuries, unfortunately, halted his, his terrific career. But uh, for six weeks, now I'm, I don't know how many paychecks are left in the NHL season. You usually get paid, I think, twice a month, right, as an NHL player. And then it ends at the end of the regular season. So there's probably two paychecks left. But he, he'll go from the California tax to Nevada if the trade falls. Oh, so, oh man, so, I didn't even think so of that. So nobody's rooting for harder than Ryan for this to go yeah, through. That's what you're saying. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Kessler, I'm sure, wants this uh, trade to, to remain for his last two clean paychecks. Um, I mean, you laugh about that, but it, but it's hilarious. Like uh, we got to figure that out. We have to figure out how much money Ryan Kessler is going to make in the next month. Like, can you buy a can you buy a boat with it or something? Like, I don't know. Um, like, is it uh, Brent Seabrook's contracts in Tampa now? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Hawks traded it to Tampa last offseason. Tampa is using it for LTIR. Yeah, LTIR. I'm just looking at it right now on cap friendly. And I, I remember, and he had to wave for that. I remember talking to his agent, Jerry Johansson, and he said they technically had to wave because they had a full new move, even though he's not playing hockey anymore. And I was like, oh, well, I guess you don't care. Well, here's the thing there's the better tax situation in Florida than there is in Chicago. So that is good when your contract better gets better, Yeah. Better tax situation in Florida than there is anywhere. That's, yeah. So that's, it, as, that's as good as it gets for those guys. So it's kind of funny when these things happen. But yeah, we'll yeah. see where uh, where this goes with the NHLPA and the Donoff and the um, and, and uh, it, you know. It, it seems like there's a lot of blame to be apportioned here, right? <laughs> you got the Sens involved. You got Vegas involved. I mean, we'll see what happens on, on the player end of things. But it takes... It takes a lot of people screwing up to <laughs> to turn a situation into this big of a mess. Yeah. I mean, the only, I guess the only sort of saving grace is uh, aside from the Donoff, who, who's obviously would have finished the year and on playing. I mean, I, originally I was wondering if Raquel was involved in this, but it turns out those mm-hmm. were separate transactions. I'm just saying I, it's, it's a good thing there wasn't a high, high, you know, a high rent rental involved in a trade that could be undone. Can you imagine? Oh my God. So, yeah. Can you ima- imagine, imagine if that, if it, Oh my gosh. If, if it were, if, if it were, yeah, if they somehow turned that into a three way with the penguins and you know, that <laughs> whatever that, yeah, it, it could have been worse. That's amazing. You know, as we sit here on Tuesday and don't know if it's going to go through or not. But Vegas kind of needs this trade, right? Like I haven't done the math, but they like this, the, the stakes are kind of high if you're Vegas. Right, with all their guys on LTIR, mm-hmm. and, and it just gives them more flexibility. I mean, it's a pretty sharp deal. I mean, again, this is the the the, 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 the mechanisms and how it works and all that. I mean, Tampa and, and Toronto are front offices that have really, you know, explored the nuances of the system the last few years. But this this was a smart deal by Vegas, if it holds, for what they can do with Stone and LTI and, and so on. But, um, yeah, we'll see what, what the league ultimately rules on it. It's... Uh, <laughs> be something else if they undid it. It was definitely a nice excuse to like get a refresher on when when players typically have to file file their no movement clauses and how that works and what the carryover is year after year. Like for sure, definitely got the bone up on the CBA last night because I was I was a little little stale on it. So that's good. And any excuse. And uh, I was disappointed. We only had one broker deal during the deadline period last year. We had three. But only one yesterday. Uh, Florida picked up uh, 
an asset for being a broker team with between Carolina. Yeah, not usually the cup contender that's saying, "Hey, I'll, we'll, we'll, you know, you can run it through us if you can like." Can you imagine if Max Domi ends up scoring a relevant goal for the Carolina yeah, Hurricanes like, against the Panthers? Like, oh man. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I mean, for Florida, they traded away so many picks that they were just trying to recoup and use their cap space. Yeah. So it's pretty yeah. smart of uh, of GM Bill Zito in that front office. But it is a bit unusual. I was surprised when it was them. I was expecting Seattle or. Uh, I couldn't have been. I guess it couldn't have been Arizona, could it? Well, I guess no. I guess it could have because they didn't trade Kessel. They were keeping one yeah, more. Right. Yeah, I guess it could have been Arizona. Um, I mean, whatever. It's a decent gamble to make. Max Domi's got one goal in thirty in his last thirty-one games or something. Like I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine saying he's not going to score a big goal if, if it means you know netting a draft pick for it. You know what though? I don't, I don't mind the pickup for Carolina because you know they it, had it's, to do something. It, yeah, their offense start to stagnate lately. Mm-hmm. And, and um, and you know what? It's it's you got to motivate the player who, who you know was looking for a change of scenery, and he's got a you know he's playing for a contract. Nothing better than that um, when you got to motivate a player. So um, they played they played Pittsburgh recently, and I, I watched him a lot, and he's. He looked motivated. I'll say that he was playing. He was playing hard. He was skating hard. He was doing a lot of good stuff. It obviously, obviously didn't turn into anything in that game. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'd that's a sneaky half decent move for them. They definitely they they had to do something, especially after what Florida did and what Tampa did and whatever. He didn't want to be left completely holding the bag, especially especially with the way things have gone for them over the last you know ten or ten or fifteen games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it wouldn't have been easy to do that deal either because generally speaking, I think Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon is anti-rental, doesn't like paying for yeah. rental players, but the but the paying was so minimal here. That uh, makes total sense. So one of my favorite things, Pierre, is, is I don't know if you filed it yet, but you, you, you'll you either, you know, you'll take us behind some of the moves, but you also kind of get us down the path of some of the moves that didn't happen. Anything Anything uh, that that came close that you're like, oh, that would have been an interesting one. If they got, if yeah. They so uh, I did. I just posted it earlier this morning. Um, a few nuggets in there, like a post deadline rumblings, and one of the one of yeah. the items in it. I don't know. I'm kind of nerdy about this stuff, but uh, after yeah. the Calgary Flames uh, weren't able to get either Ventrod or Hampus Lindholm, two two defensemen that they tried pretty hard to get. I was curious whether they would um, turn their attention to Mark Giordano and bring back their old captain. And, um, and yeah. this was on Sunday morning. And what I realized from making a few calls is that the Flames got this confirmed from the league and I got this confirmed from the league. So I wrote about it. The Flames are not allowed. They're allowed to bring back Mark Giordano, but had to have him at full AV value on their books. They could not have Seattle retain and they could not do a broker deal. As per, as per a very strange seldom used uh, CBA uh, uh, rule in, in the 2012 CBA that says that if you uh, if a player that you had on your team is reacquired within 12, within the same calendar year, he has to be on the full AV. He cannot have his, his AV partially retained by the other team. I did not know about this rule. I talked to, I talked to a couple of front offices about it and one guy was a really smart CBA guy. Didn't know about it either, and we went through it together. And I had it confirmed with the league. But um, wow, yeah. So it, it essentially, this rule by itself uh, knocked Calgary out of the bidding on Mark Giordano. Uh, I've seen people spitball with that, like on trades, like on on teams reacquiring players who they'd already traded. I had no idea it actually applied to expansion drafts, which seems right. Well, well, and this is the which thing seems unfair. Yeah. So, so this is the thing is that the league pretty much had to, I think, had to make a ruling on the, in the moment because it was unique because the expansion draft are right. So, page two seventy three of the CBA. If you want to go click on it today, uh, point point four. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to read it. But essentially, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it does read the illustration in the rule. Re- talks about trading the SPC of a player, and and, and if he comes back within the calendar year, can't have any of his salary retained. It talks about a trade. It doesn't talk about expansion draft. But essentially, the league uh, made a call that the essence of the rule is reacquiring a player within 12 months. And so, interestingly enough, and I don't know how far in advance the Flames knew this because there was talk mm-hmm. all year of them being in on Giordano. Um, but this was obviously explained to the Flames at some point, and, uh, which means that it's really almost impossible to make that trade given their cap situation. I think it's, it's fascinating that they were still in on Giordano as late as it sounds like they were in the first place, right? Because 
you know, Toffoli's a huge ad and they had to finagle to get Yarn Croak under the cab. I mean, they, they, there was a, obviously a lot of early action from Chaliving and their, and their cap situation was crazy. A, and their defense group is pretty solid. B, like they, they could, they could have used a decent seventh on paper, but the fact that they're far enough down the road for that stuff to come up with, with Giordano and then they're in on Lindholm. I thought all that, the fact that they were looking as hard as they were for one of the big fish like that was, was interesting. They, they, they were in pretty hard on, uh, on Hampus Lindholm. I, I think, I mean, it's always hard to have this completely confirmed, but I think they were the runners up on Hampus Lindholm. Um, and I don't know that I would call them runners up on Ben Chirot. I think Boston was a, were the runners up on Ben Chirot. But it is an absolute fact that the Flames tried to get Chirot in the Toffoli deal last month. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, which would have, requ- it would have required a prospect that the Flames did not want to give up on to Montreal. But so, you know, I wrote about this today. I don't want to, I think Brad Trielman had a tremendous trade deadline period. I mean, Yarncroft is a great fit and Toffoli's been good. But they clearly thought they needed one more piece on defense and weren't able to do it. So we'll see if he comes back to bite them. Right now, that group of six has been terrific all year. But when you plan to play four rounds and the Flames are, are certainly put together like they, they have a chance to go deep, usually your blue line takes a hit. It's a grind. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're one injury away from Michael Stone being a top four defenseman, right? Because you don't, you don't want to mess with Zadorov and Gibranson on that third pair. So... And and Stone and Stone's the seventh. I'm not sure that's a perfect situation for a Western contender like them. Yeah, you know, Stone is the seventh on on sort of the active roster. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess I guess I guess the question is, is it actually you know Valley Mackey that comes up from mm-hmm. from the AHL if if they truly need a role in the playoffs? Like, does he jump Stone right? Because right now they want him playing. Um, so I don't know, but still, I, I think that another piece would have been, and, and I think they, they had interest in Brett Kulak yesterday, but my goodness, that was, a, that was a premium paid for Brett Kulak <laughs> and, and, and no offense to Brett Kulak, who I know that was beloved in that half dressing room, but, mm-hmm. uh, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon played their cards boy during this trade deadline period. They got some massive return, uh, for a lot of their guys. The returns on defense and were just all over the place. I felt like you look at you, you look at what Kulak got, and then Justin Braun, who's completely fine, gets mm-hmm. just a third, and there's guys getting sixes and whatever. Like the 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 D market just seemed like it was, you know, in chaos. Yeah, I, and was, and there, was there a reason? Was there a reason for that? Was that because was that because of Sherratt just blowing blowing it up earlier? I, I, I think the Sherratt deal definitely uh, you know raised the stakes, and you know Jeremy Lozon for a second was was surprising to me too on Sunday night. Um, and, you know, and it's interesting within that scope. And I guess it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, when a player has a bit of control over where he goes, it, it, it does affect the outcome. So the fact that Mark Giordano, now it's hard to analyze that deal because uh, Colin Blackwell's in it and he's not a forgotten piece. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's a good little player, but you know, Seattle had been asking for a first for Giordano all along to try and match the Sherratt deal, but they just couldn't get it out of Toronto. And so, you know, that, that that's interesting. But again, that package is a bit different because he's he's not the only piece in it. Way too much Canadian team. <laughs> well, they were they were. Up there. Up there. Yeah, what can I say? There, the Canadian teams are in the middle. No, of they it, really uh, were. And and uh, I love who who was it was saying? Oh, having an agent now as a GM, he finally cares about yeah, the salary cap. Was, I, that was <laughs> such yeah, an, yeah. Uh, the, the Kent Hughes comment was so amazing because it's like uh, I, I I'd love to see I, that. I, I, I thought, um, I thought our, Colorado had a good deadline period. By the way, I, I think people, yeah, yeah, I did too. We've talked a lot about that because they didn't need to do anything. We wanted Claude Giroux to go there, but we also were like, hey, they're really good. Like, so they can actually just kind of perfect some of the edges. And I thought they did that. Yeah. And there's no question. I think Joe Sackick, did he not even actually talk about Cole Giroux publicly yesterday? I mean, they, they wanted him, but yeah. once it became obvious that they would, they could really only get him if the Florida deal fell apart, they had to sort of rejig him. Well, I mean, they want, they wanted to rejig that third line, right? And they did it and they did it on the fly. Like you had, first off, you had, you swap out Jost for Sturm, which gives you a different kind of player in that bottom six. And, I loved I love the Lekkonen deal, Cog, Cogliano. I mean, like they added they added the pieces that they were looking at because they were open about trying to, you mm. know, kind of reformat their bottom six for for the last month or so. Well, so, yeah, and, and Manson on the back end, like I, I think mm-hmm. you know, 
a team number feels one. Like that, that that feels like it happened a month ago. Yeah, this I know. Yeah, this, this year's trade deadline. Know, it's yeah. like to fully get traded to Calgary like at Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you know, the Manson thing is is you know teams don't like even talking about this off the record after they lose in the playoffs because they're sore and, and and it kind of pokes at your pride. But I think deep down the Avs felt that the, their blue line got man out manhandled a bit last year by Vegas. You know, and, and, and again, last year was the playoffs of the big boys on defense, you know, led by Montreal and Tampa. Um, and I think Colorado took a real hard look at that after the playoffs and said, at some point, we have to address it. Now, just having Eric Johnson back by himself, being healthy, remember, he didn't play last year, so he's a, he's a big boy. And then you add Manson, who, if he can stay healthy, and, and that's part of the equation, is he's just, he's just, he can be nasty and really physical, and, and he's a game changer. So you, you add that with all the skill they already have. And it gives them, uh, I think, a, a more balanced look for the playoffs. When again, you can you can hate on it all you want because it is ridiculous. It's the only sport that where this happens, but there is a different rule book in the playoffs, and they're not going to call as much. And it's going to be more about the grind. And so I think Colorado's in a better place for that. Lekkonen's another grinder who I think has the potential of being sort of a hybrid Goudreau Coleman type guy for Colorado in terms of his complete game. I think he's an excellent pickup. Yeah. There's always this disconnect between what like fans want to see and then what GMs want to acquire because like they, everybody knows the game's different in the playoffs. So you do need those players and you know, Sherrod or Lindholm and some of these guys that, that can play that playoff style game go for more than what people might want. And you know what I mean? Like, that's just the reality of it. These are, these are deals for the spring, like for, for the playoff runs. These aren't deals to win regular season games. And that part um, of that's part of that's why I like Manson so much for Colorado, right? Mm. Like he's, he's a pretty, as far as those guys are concerned, that type of player is concerned. He brings a little bit more to the table. Like if you're more analytically inclined or whatever, and you look at those numbers, you look at where he was a couple years ago. That was a, that was a really, really complete player. Like aside from being big and playoff ready and physical, I mean, he drove, he drove play as well. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and he hasn't quite, I mean, whatever, it's Anaheim. They've stunk for the last couple of years, so he hasn't quite been at that level. But, man, with the way the Avs do, th- do things, it's easy to imagine him sliding in and turning into Josh Manson from, you know, 2019. And if that's the case, man, 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 did they get a lot better. Yeah, I totally agree. And listen, I always say let's look at recent success and go from there. Tampa is the mm-hmm. team. And Tampa is is incredibly modern in their approach and, and, and the data they examine and all the things they do. But what they did to turn a corner as well is they realized years back that they needed to get nastier for their playoff roster. Mm-hmm. They So they mixed in some old school values with their modern approach. That's the reality. That's what Julian Breesbo mm-hmm. did with that team. And so... You know, I, I know that people feel Florida had an overpay on Ben Sherratt. I mean, he, he's not had a good season at all. They didn't base it on what, how he played this year. <laughs> they based it on <laughs> just look at five clips from Toronto, Montreal in the opening round and ask the Leafs star players how they felt about Ben Sherratt in the corner. Yeah. Uh, no. It's... it's, it's yeah, it- you know? And now he and now he can eliminate the Leafs again. It'll be great. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want us each to pick who we thought had the best deadline. I've got my thought, um, but we do need to take a quick break, Pierre, and then we'll be right back. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, segment two. I like that we can just bring a guest along for segments one and two, so Sean and I can do even less <laughs> less uh, work, less, yeah, less work than we normally do on the on the Tuesday <laughs> podcast. Um, but you know, I, I mean, winners and losers is such a staple of trade deadline, and it's, we acknowledge it's ridiculous. And you know, we're talking about draft picks now. It's like even more than ever, like years off. We don't know who who won and lost. So so if we can, if we each pick who we like, what they did the best. Um, I, I'm going to talk about approach in, in mine. And, and you mentioned Tampa and what Julian Brisebois did. I just love his yeah, approach. I love Julian Brisebois who says, Hey, um, 
I'm not trying to do something for right now. I'm using this moment in time where people can make deals. I'm going to value as part of the evaluation process. um, I'm going to factor in cap space and value and, and where a player is on their arc. And I'm going to, and I'm going to make a trade that looks like an overpay, but takes all these things into consideration and may end up looking like the best deal this trade deadline. So my winner for what they did in this, that deal with Chicago is is Tampa Bay. Hmm. It's it's right out of Julian's playbook. Um, I've talked to him about this, about this approach, about how they uh, you know factor like they value cap space. For they sure. have to for sure, and that's part of the equation. And so draft picks have value, players have value, cap space has value. And when you can get a player, I want to see what his cap it is. Um, one and a half. Do you guys know off one point five? One and a half. Yep. Yeah, for, yeah, for, for, two, more for uh, two and a half years, and then two more years of control on top of that is not- two more years of control. Yeah, yeah. And guess what's going to happen? He's going to be great for them, and whatever third and fourth line is created, whatever happens there, he's going to be great. And 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 then at some point, he's going to get paid what he deserves, and he's going to be a market price player, and it's going to be somewhere else. It's not going to be in Tampa. Brandon Brandon Hagel at one point five has value for anybody. He somehow is yes. more for Tampa because of the way that team's constructed. Because when you have all these great players and, and, you're, and you've done such a great job, if you're Breezebot, to, to get them at a reasonable number where you can add anything, first off, finding ways to build out that third line for a million and a half dollars for two, for two more years, it's, I get, it is wild. He had, he had somehow had more value to them than, than anybody else. Overpay for right. him. Who cares? It's not an overpay. It's not. No, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm using air, John, quote, I'm using air no, quotes on that, Craig. It's not an actual. So, it's not so, an actual. It's not an actual overpayment. That's what they needed to do. So, so just to be a bit of a contrarian, I mean, it, it literally, I should actually be fired for even second guessing the time of the lightning because literally yeah. everything they no, do. No, you're allowed. Everything Might they be. do. Everything they do has been gold. But I will tell you that from talking to other front offices about this deal, okay, is that there are some people who a again love the creativity, love what Tampa does. But think that Tampa's forcing it a bit here, wanting Brandon Hagel to be the Coleman Gujo type guy on the, on the third line when he's actually a guy who prefers score goals. Mm-hmm. That there's maybe oh, not that there's so maybe not the grind. He said he doesn't have that. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> and now is that sour grapes from other front offices who always fall behind Tampa? But I, I do want to bring that up. That you know they went back to the well here and recreated the right. deal. Let's see if it has the same oh, success. Man. So, is Brandon Hagel like, yeah, I can shoot 22% for the rest of my life? Sure. Right. That's right. A, that's sustainable. I'm a 40-goal guy. Nothing. Yeah, you better know what you're getting in the player. Like, he better be <laughs> the kind of player you think he is. I, I'm, I'm making the assumption. I think they've earned the... Uh, of course. The right, you know, the right here that, that they, they know they're not getting a guy that's going to be like, hey, I'm a top-line guy, you know, or whatever here. But, I mean, I think that's fair. Like... The concepts, the concept works, and you've pulled it off before. It doesn't mean every time you you do this, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to pan out. But you're talking about draft picks that are going to be at the bottom of the, you know, wherever they are, these are going to be, and uh, and also like it's it's not it's not crushing if it you know it doesn't pan out in terms of mm-hmm. cap space and all that. I, I just I love it. I, I like the approach and. You know that's not th- that's not to say Julian won't do something that's very traditional. I mean, he he did a rental last year, and and you know they won the cup, so nobody cared. Even though the David Savard deal maybe wouldn't have looked as good if they hadn't won the cup. No, but he, he really didn't fit in that well there. But who cares? Yeah. Who cares when you win? <laughs> but right, right. You won the cup, yeah. so it worked out. Like it would. It's it, this isn't just like Julian does everything like outside the book or whatever. But I, I don't know. I, I just I, actually, I love that. I actually and, think Nick Paul is going to have a smoother transition to what yeah. they want from him in the bottom of that lineup. Yeah. But but he's a rental, yeah. so it's not as sexy. Um, no, and it's not as fun to dissect. But you're right. It, like he's he might be the the more impact player in, in the short term. So that's that's my winner. And and um do you do you have somebody that you really appreciate what they did, Pierre? Yeah, I mean uh, I think the two teams as as buyers I got buyers and sellers that I like the grade. Okay. Uh, as buyers I, I really like what Florida and we talked about Colorado, so we don't have to go back to Colorado, but Florida and Colorado are my two winners. Um I, I think the Panthers I understand why people are still getting over the sticker shock on Girard. But I, I just think between Sherrod and Drew and also the psychology of what they're trying to do in their own state. And understanding where the road mm. goes through eventually. Um, 
I, I think this is a great moment in the history of that franchise where they're just like, we're, we're doing this and we believe in this group. And uh, I, I think, I think Bill Zito's done pretty amazing work there since he's been there. And, and I just, I think those ads talk about the fact that, well, you know, if Tampa's spending first round picks every year winning cups, at some point we got to decide if we're, if we're for real. And yeah, not, we were, to, you know? not to, not to interrupt on that either, but we had Bill Lindsay on the post, on the post deadline shows. You know, does, does, uh, does analyst work for them? And he said specifically that this year, like there's some kind of buzz down there and you got to grade on a curve because you never know with South Florida and sports in general. But mm-hmm. he said, he said people are psyched about them and I believe it because this is the sort of stuff that gets people, that gets people excited. The fact that they're setting the tone, not just on the ice, but they set the tone at the deadline is, mm-hmm. is, is really, really impressive. And yeah, they, whatever they overpaid for Sherratt, but they underpaid for Giroux because yeah. Giroux wanted to go because Drew wanted to go play for that team. Yeah. Like that that means that mean that means something. Yeah. Yeah. The best player on the market want, is saying that's where I want to go. Yeah. Like that counts for something. Yeah, not to mention when Colorado was an option. Um and then my winners on this on the sellers is hardly original. I think everyone's in agreement, but I think Anaheim and Montreal got a ton of value in their in their sell-offs. Yeah. Like really you know, new GMs for both teams, right? And um and they both I mean, a pile of assets for both organizations. Uh, I mean, the ducks, the ducks hit the skids at the right time too. Like they haven't, they haven't been good for a few weeks, so it got a lot easier for for Pete to just be like, "All right, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye." Well, I, well, I, guys, was, I don't know if you remember, Sean. I, I was, I did all these GM interviews for about mm-hmm. a six week period, and uh, you know, Verbeek, the Verbeek, the Verbeek one was fun. Yeah, I liked that because one. he <laughs> he caught me off guard because it, you know mm-hmm. we were at least a month from the deadline. I think when I caught him, or three weeks maybe. And uh, he basically said on the record, I'm trading mm-hmm. Lindholm, Raquel, and Manson if I don't sign them. <laughs> and they were one point out of a playoff spot. And I was like, wow. And uh, I don't know how well received it was in his dressing room, but uh, but that set the tone. He, he were, it was pretty obvious then that the big picture was going to trump whatever fake race they were in. Three first rounders and five second rounders if that did not often goes through. Oh, that's pretty in, good. That's in, pretty in good. Two for drafts for Verbeek. And I that's don't know. Cool. I think that deal is going to be overturned, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh, man. Let, um, so, I, like, I think that's why you almost need to have a, a new GM come in to replace somebody that was successful. Because I, th- I think the teardown can be painful. And this is – Pat Verbeek could come in and be really clinical here. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have any attachment here, whereas – if you're Bob Murray, like these are the, you know, in some cases guys you won with or whatever, right? Like you've seen it time and time again where people try, they just can't do the, they can't tear the bandaid off when it's, and it's like, it's psychology. Like I wouldn't be able to either. Like you, you went to war with these it's players. It's such or a whatever. paradigm shift to go from being like our first, all those years building around Getzlaff and, and Corey Perry when he was there. I mean, like that's such a, that's such a mind, a mindset change. That it's got to be tough for, mm-hmm. for anybody. Yeah, yeah Verbeek can just come in and be like, hey, I'm, we're doing this and I have no ties to these guys. And actually, the opposite has kind of happened in Montreal where when mm. when Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes were hired in the middle of that gong show of a season that the Habs were having with all their injuries and coming back down to earth, um, that under Marty St. Louis, <laughs> they've been playing really good hockey. And actually, I, yeah. I will tell you that uh, I wrote about this in my rumblings today, but uh, when Kent Hughes went down to inform Marty St. Louis that he had traded Lekin and Marty St. Louis was crushed. Like mm. he did not receive the news well. He understood the business side of it, but he in six weeks has really gotten close to his players and feels like they're, they're building on something for next year. And so it's, it, it's interesting because I feel like the Ducks moves were a lot more surgical that way. And whereas the Habs, who were terrible most of the year and are headed nowhere in the standings, actually have to second guess a move like Lekkonen because of what, where they feel they can pivot next year. It's quite fascinating to me. Was, was, what was the thought process, if you know it, behind them moving Lekkonen? Because like door number two for that is you're like, okay, he makes two and three quarters or whatever. There's one more year of RFA. Was it just like he was going to price himself out and they, they weren't willing to, you know, yeah. commit at, at, the, at, at the point in, in his contract structure that he's at? Yeah, so it's a couple of things, Sean. I mean, I mean, number one, such a priority for them is to is to rebuild the pipeline. They don't feel they have enough coming, and they got a you know a twenty twenty first round pick in that deal on top of a second. So, um, 
But you're exactly right. His deal was up at the end of the year, and and he's having a career year, weirdly playing third line minutes. But he's just both his traditional numbers. I don't know. The guy is just he's just a really good player, and he was going to score financially. And uh, and and unfortunately, I don't want to cast you know shade on other another player, but it's a fellow Finn that basically I think helped the exit as Yol Armia's contract is, is an anchor, three more years of three point four million. And they couldn't move that contract. They'll try again this summer, I think. But because of that contract, they basically couldn't keep liking it. I think. All right, Shawnee, who did, who did you like? Oh, you stole mine. I was I, I was going to say Tampa. I was going to say Florida. That's why I went right away. Like <laughs> I like yeah, I, I, I know it's, it's cowardly. That's a close Cowardly. Um, and I love and whatever. I know we're not allowed to talk about the Flames, and we just did for a while, anyways. I I just oh, I love I, I love what they've done over the last yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, not just, you know, not just, not just tree living, like the way it's, the way it's worked, the proof of concept that we have for Calgary over the last month. I mean, Toffoli does so much for them and Yarn Croak from the jump just seemed, he seemed perfect because they needed another right shot. They needed someone who is center capable at least. And if he's not, if he's not the guy you want centering that third line, if you'd rather go with Dylan Dubé or, or whoever else, it's fine. You port, you, you port Cali Yarncroc over cause he can play both sides. I mean, he's such a versatile, cheap player that he made almost two cents for, there too much sense for them to pass up. So I, I, I loved what they did. Um, and I, and look, I, I know whatever I, I live in Pittsburgh, so take with a grain of salt and they paid, a whole bunch for him. But I think Ron Hextall needed to do something. I think he needed to add somebody for Evgeny Malkin for a lot of different reasons. And I think the the proof there, the indicator there, was that they took Brian Rust off Sidney Crosby's wing for a couple games. And that is something that you would, and put him with Malkin. And that's something you never see. So the fact that they did that lets you know that they really put a premium on getting Malkin going. He's been good. Point, point per game, whatever. But I think they realized the necessity to have two legitimate scoring lines, especially what those other teams did. So he, he, he's definitely it was a lot, but yeah, whatever. He's an excellent pickup. I'm with you, Sean. I, yeah. I, I, I think my concern, and I'm sure it's Ron Eckstall's as well, is that he went into this deadline hoping to actually add a scoring winger who had rights he could control Term. past this year. Yep. Yeah, and, sure. and just the market wasn't there for those guys. You know, uh, it was just hard to, to get in on those guys. So he settled yeah. for a rental, which. You know he's got a lot of UFAs on this roster, oh so God. yeah, just whatever. So, what's a, what's another one? Yeah, so I know, uh, a, you know. A, bi- a big thing for him throughout all of this too is was keeping that first right, so he can and he can look at the result and say like, hey, at least I did that because I, I know that there was they didn't wait until yesterday to talk about Ricard Raquel and and it was a it was you know a first versus a second and he and he held firm and then ended up ended up doing it. So yeah, it's a lot and. I think Zach Aston Reese is a half decent player to, to to send out. I think he meant a lot to at least that fourth line. And, and I can't believe I I'm saying, like I, I can't believe I'm saying this because the Penguins, to be honest, like the Caps, have been one of those oversaturated national teams mm-hmm. for a long time because of Sid and Gino. I actually think people are sleeping on them this year. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised if the Pittsburgh Penguins came out of that division. I'm telling you right now, I think they can beat anyone. If Jari's if Jari's on point. And they can convert some of these, you know, expected goals and actual goals, which which Ricardo Kell helps with. I, I think I think yeah. you're completely correct. It's an amazing story, like uh, Hextall, and again, I'm not going back to my series of GM interviews, but he was one of the first I did, and mm-hmm. he admitted on the record that you know he was hired. You know, you talked earlier, Craig, about how sometimes you need a fresh guy to come in and be able to do some of the rebuilding that without the emotional yeah. attachment. That's really why Ron Hextall was hired. Mm-hmm. But a year into the job, the, the, the player's performance on that team forced him to delay what will eventually come. I mean, I mean, if this team's not winning games, he, he would have blown up this roster by now. Since Crosby came back post-COVID, because he was, he was sick, so from the end of November, or whatever it is, November 26th, there's some arbitrary date there, like a, a little bit after he got his legs under him. He's, I think, third in the league in points. Yeah. Like how do you hmm. how do you not <laughs> how do you not add to that guy's team when he's playing at that level? It does it doesn't matter what 
what happens next year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're all in for now. And, you know, there'll be some interesting off-season decisions. I mean, that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. But uh, I don't know if they can re-sign both Malkin and Latang. I'm not convinced of that, mm-hmm. but we'll see. That's Hopefully, they make that decision with a really short summer in front of them. Before we wrap up the segment, I mean, this is the American show, so we can't ignore the fact that the New York Rangers are trying to piece together, mm-hmm. from what I can tell, the 2012 <laughs> national U.S. Uh, national Development Team, <laughs> bringing in <laughs> the last over the trade deadline. Frank Petrano, they bring in uh, in a deal with the Winnipeg Jets, Andrew Kopp, uh, Jacob Truba. I'm not sure if they've uh, acquired Seth Jones yet, but uh, maybe he's on the radar. I don't know. I, how do we feel about how the Rangers did? An interesting team because, hey, maybe they're, you know, better than we thought this year. They've got a hot goalie. Sean, you wrote a lot about like, hey, yeah. when you got a goalie going this well, like mm-hmm. put everything aside and, and make a play here. Uh, that Andrew Kopp deal was, was I, I liked it for them, for what he brings to the table. Well, you're saying they're, they're bringing back the U.S. national development team. They're, they're all, they also like trading for Jets. <laughs> True <laughs> one, well, oh, yeah. I don't know. Gotta, I don't know how smart a move that is. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I don't know how, how you guys feel about them. I, I think the Rangers are. I think the Rangers are ahead in the standings of where they should be on merit in terms of their mm. arc, and that's not a shot at all. I think that they're doing yeah. the right things. Like I think they're where this team is headed is where it should be headed, but they're not a true contender for me. Like everyone talks about the, the eight in the East and anyone can beat anyone. Now that goalie, <laughs> he could, he could carry price, the Rangers into a cup final perhaps. This, sure. But, but it wouldn't, I just think, and I love Gerard Glenn as a coach. I mean, that was an excellent hire. Everywhere he goes, players go through a wall for that guy, but they're just not as for real for me as, as some of the teams around them. Well, I mean, they're they're Shesterkin in the power play, like, and you can't. We you just said <laughs> when we were talking about Ben Chirot, can't necessarily rely on power play goals to to subsist on when you when mm-hmm. you hit the postseason. I I, I I watch the Rangers a lot. I'll say this about them at least because I feel like I've slagged them a lot over the course of the season just for their abysmal five on five numbers. They're playing better now than they were a month ago. Like in the games I've seen them over over the last few weeks, they're rounding into shape at the right time. And a guy like Cop, who's, you know, whatever. Again, he's like a he's like a goal scoring Kelly Yarncroak, right? Where he can mm-hmm. he can play he can play a lot of different positions, he can play a lot of different roles. I think he could uh, there, there's a possibility that between him and Tyler Mott that they could unlock something in that bottom six because that's where that's where they've been getting killed. Is that is that those guys, those forward lines get absolutely caved in uh, when uh, when they're on the ice. So they went out and did something like I, and Shesterkin can win any and every series that he plays in. You're right. But I, yeah, they're, they're really, they're fascinating to me, honestly. Any, anybody you, you felt left uh, you wanting, you're like, boy, and, and I, you know, I don't want to say losers because again, we don't know, but the, the, you know, I, I was like, I, I, you had this inkling that maybe the Red Wings would do something coming off of last year. They, you know, they make the big Anthony Mantha trade. There was some Tyler Bertuzzi rumblings. You like, I've now, you know, Steve Eisenman has trained us to, to like, he's always so understated in every availability. And he's like, nah, you know, we did what we want to do. But like, now I'm like always expecting him to do something like yeah. surprisingly aggressive and they were quiet. So I don't know. Like, that, I, I don't want to say they were a loser. They did, you know, there was nothing they could do. They got, they got good return on Letty and taking some money back. And that was, fu- that was all good, tidy work. But I don't know. Now I'm expecting them to, you know, some these crazy bold moves out of Steve. So. I don't know. Any any teams like jump out the other direction? I had the same feeling, and I think I said this on TSN yeah. the other night. But I thought Detroit might just shock us again with with, yeah, hockey that's deal, how I with felt. some form of a hockey deal. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yep. uh, and I won't name the name that I thought actually he might move. And it's not a name that anyone's mentioned. But in a way, um, and it turned out that was completely wrong. Uh, but um, <laughs> you know, I I, I think. You know, I, I think that the, the Leafs are a mixed bag for me um, mm. because I think the, the Giordano and Blackwell deal was terrific. I mean, for, for what they had to give up. But essentially, for a team that hasn't won a playoff series in 18 years to go into the playoffs in that division with that goaltending right now is is a bit mind-blowing to me, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're playing Florida or Tampa in the first round and uh, – I have no idea who's going to be their starter. I'm assuming it's a healthy Jack Campbell, but who knows at this point. Well, then we got a little Kyle on Kyle action 
we saw Kyle we, the Kyle da- Kyle Dubas. I missed what Kyle Dubas said initially, but you should have um, seen Laz yesterday. He was like on the deadline show. He he looked he couldn't he couldn't have been happier. He was thrilled. GM Let's go. That's that's free popcorn for a columnist. That is free popcorn. Yeah, baby. And and for those listening who may have missed it, that was because Darren Dreger, my colleague, put out a great nugget on Saturday about how the the Leafs and the Blackhawks talked about a mega deal where Mark Andre Fleury and Brandon Hagel would have would have come to Toronto and for a massive haul and it fell apart obviously. I, I actually only knew from Friday that the Leafs had tried on Hagel, which doesn't surprise me because a lot hmm. of the front office guys in Toronto share a brain with the with the front office guys in Tampa. They think a lot yeah. alike. I had no idea that they actually I knew they had kick tires in Fleury. I never knew they actually talk about him in the real trade. So when <laughs> Dreger put out all that info, it clearly irked the Leafs that it got out. And, and I think it irked them probably because if they do lose in the first round yet again, and if the goaltending's shaky, they're going to get hammered for not getting flirted, quite frankly. Right, right. What do we think of what the Blues did? We were, we're talking about 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 Detroit, about I, I mean, what Eiserman sent out. Mesnikov and Nick Letty, the, the Blues ended up with Letty after after like in terms of rumors and rumblings and whatever else they were in on on so many. It seemed like they were at least tangentially in on Lindholm and and guys and guys mm-hmm. like that. I mean, their cap space is their 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 cap situation is scary. So I, I get why they didn't want to. I mean, they they were hamstrung, I think, in, in some regards there. But yeah, I don't know. Well, like they, they, well, well they really didn't want to trade their first for Reynolds, which yeah. I think hurt them because Ben Chirot went for a first, and you know they called Montreal and Chirot. Um Yeah, I, I, it's underwhelming for me. And listen, Doug Armstrong's made some amazing trades over the years, so yeah. he, he 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 doesn't need an. You know, I think that's part of the reason we were expecting something right. from them, right? Is it, is, right. Is, is, is it Armstrong has that, has that right track the record of, 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 yeah. of being in there? Yeah, but Nick Let- Letty underwhelms me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but again, uh, you know, probably the actual fit should have been the two Armstrongs getting together and then Jacob Trickin, <laughs> Jacob Trickin ending up in St. Louis. That would have been the better hockey deal fit in terms of a guy that would have helped them pass this year as well. But, um, Arizona pulled him back over the weekend after no one was willing to pay the high price that they want for him. But that, that would have been the fit for me. Oh, yeah. My other disappointment is that nobody could find a, a home for Phil Kessel. Nobody was like, hey, let's take, let's get, mm. let's get Phil in here and pop some goals in. Come on. I know the cap number is not great, but he's not owed like any money, whatever. whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> like, come on. Free, <laughs> free Phil Kessel. I, I t- free Phil Kessel. Yeah, I touched on this in my rumblings today. I, I was told by a couple of teams that part of the reticence in dealing for him is that they were concerned about the Ironman streak. And that if you're joining, oh. and if you're joining a good team, it's kind of like the Keith yeah. Yandel thing all over again. But it's great. We may not want you to play back to back nights, or you know, whatever the thing is. I know some teams were worried about that. Yeah. So wait, wait, wait. For years we've been hearing about Phil, and does he care, and all this stuff, and now oh, he cares too much. We're so worried he's going to be mad about. Uh, poor Phil Kessel can't win. Yeah, it is too bad. Would have been nice to see him join a contender. All right, Pierre. Well, I. Uh, get some rest. Now you get to hit this fun stretch where it chills out in a minute. You get to go down to Boca Raton and, and Palm talk Beach. To it's actually Palm oh, Beach. Palm they're, Beach. They're, they're going back to the same uh, hotel we were at for the Board of Governors in December. Yeah. So at least I know where I'm going and I won't be lost. Oh, well, yeah. I'm going to be in Boca Raton. So uh, good luck to you all you in, in Palm Beach. I will I will write a thousand words on tweaking the offside rule. No, I don't know what they're going to say. I was going to say, what are, what are we oh, going to fight over? What's going to happen the night before the GM meetings? That's that's going to become the focus. Like that's the question. Is it? Uh, what random? I don't know. Maybe going to come to the f- maybe it'll be revising no trade no trade language before trade. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Seriously. <laughs> Wait, wait a second. Why would they? Why would they want to do that? Oh boy! <laughs> it, is, it is kind of ridiculous that a billion dollar league is. You know, we're talking about fax jam ups in a line at three in a, a contract where, like, I don't know how the contracts look, but you think the no trade clause would be somewhere near the top? Like, you wouldn't have to get to the fine print. <laughs> like, come on, everybody. Yeah, uh, fun. All right, guys. Thanks for having me oh, on. Yeah, Th- this yeah. was. Uh, this- Despite being two American assholes, this was really uh, pleasurable. <laughs> That's great. That, that means a lot, Pierre. Thank you. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard that from you before. That's a, that's a, that's a recycled line. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Talk to you. See you, Pierre. Thanks, buddy.
Thanks, brother. Yeah, that was great, guys. Thanks for having me, man. iPhone commenters, welcome. Hey. Welcome to the section, baby. So, and, and again, all you have to do is tap your phone. <laughs> yeah, it's still times. not easy, by the way, iPhone <laughs> yeah. users. Don't don't for one second think you're. Uh, it's an easy easy process. Go ahead, Sean. Take us through it. We're opening the gates here. I think someone shout out to uh, who is this? Thomas W. Who was the first iPhone user <laughs> to even try? He goes, "Are iPhones allowed to comment yet?" This is on March twentieth. Edit. Guess it works. I'll have better questions for next week. Wow! Thank That's you, like, Thomas. And, and it, Thomas and it W. is like too. the Neil Armstrong of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plant the flag. Small, <laughs> yeah. small comment for mm, mankind. So I'm sure oh, there I mean, are. I'm sure there's thousands, if not tens of thousands, of you who are just going to rush to your phones now oh, and leave just Insight, insightful comments and critiques and compliments for us. So have at it, baby. We got so some good I'm just ones this week. It up now, oh good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we did. We 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 held the commenters' feet to the fire a little bit as they were critiquing us, which yeah. is fine. You know again. Because you guys were naughty. Bad, <laughs> bad little boys and girls. You did a bad job on the comments last week, but you, you, came, you came back strong. Jason B says, and this is about our interview with Matt Duchesne, who was <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable last week. Yeah, he was so good. Transcribing that was, unbe- was, was even funnier because we said it's the least we've ever spoken in an interview. I think we said 100 words between us, which is wild. So I'm saying it's our, it's our best work. <laughs> yeah. The, le- the less of us, the better. <laughs> Two, two huge losers talking over each other. Jason B, is Matt Duchesne going to be a coach, GM, broadcaster, journalist, or all of the above? He's not going to be a journalist. Too smart for that. Incredible how much insight he had in the whole league systems and, and individual players, which is which is true. What do you have? Matt Duchesne. Let's place Matt Duchesne in a, in a post-playing career job. Here's the thing. And, and maybe this is wrong because, you know, Wayne Gretzky's doing TV. I just wonder, like, Matt Duchesne has been – you know, he's loaded and he's got this nice life with his fam in Nashville. So do you want to like, I think you want to be smart about how you, whatever next step you, you make in your career. Like, do you really want to like go on TV and have to fly into wherever all the time? He seems like or, he's pre- he seems like he's pretty happy in Nashville. Right. Or do you like, yeah. Do you parlay that where your career has ended up into a job where you're like special assistant to the GM of David Boyle. You know what I mean? I mean, I you think can, he does that. You can do something like that and also pursue a career in country music or whatever his actual passionate passion is, right? That dude is a big, I've, yeah, I've, that I've, actually, I've learned that about Matt in the past couple of weeks is that he's a big time country dude. So he's in the, he's in the right spot. Yeah. He would he, like, he would be the least surprising like career change candidate where he's like Matt Duchesne now has a new LP (laughs) (laughs) yeah he wears cowboy hats and belt buckles now so yeah Um, we're gonna go we're gonna go country music star by inviting a Canadian on the American show and this is Bruno L you finally confirmed that Canada is the hockey reference I'm sure that was some kind of weird autocorrect but he is uh I guess ripping on us for having Duchesne on we've had Canadians on before we just had another one Mm. where do you think where do you think Pierre's from Good burst boy. Uh, he also says Marie Philippe says hi. Uh, that is a knife twist that I don't appreciate, Bruno L. Um, yeah, we're allowed. Look, look, we can have Canadians on the show as long as the content is about American-based teams or um, the United States in some way. Like Pierre was pushing the limits. Pierre gets a little bit of grace here because we've known him a long time. He's good at his job. He's, he's bringing informed, you know, we're learning something. The, you know, the whole thing on like Phil Castle again, American. So it was fine. Like that was a great little tidbit. I didn't realize. So Pierre, he, we'll threw, let, us, he threw us a nugget on that one, baby. That was, that was a good that one. Was when, that was when he gave us cause we're friends. Yeah. But generally, but Matt Duchesne plays for the National Predators. We're talking Predators. Mm-hmm. It's like, that is not breaking Bruno. That is not breaking the rules of the podcast, sir. We'll see. He asked a question about Mark Giordano, which is old news. So, mm-hmm. whatever. Also said, great interview with Duchesne. He was able to talk at length and you guys were total pros and didn't step on his toes, which I'll tell you, buddy, that was a complete accident. That was through no, 
<laughs> we are not I am certainly I, I have nothing to I have nothing to bring to the table there. That was just because Matt was good. That was not without that was not for lack of effort on my part, because God knows I'm always trying to step on people. I will say the listeners seem to know as well when they're congratulating us mm-hmm. for not interrupting an eloquent guest. Like they're like, hey, I was they probably people were probably stressed that oh when are, when are Sean and Craig gonna cut this great we should have we should have found some way to turn it into like a video clip where there were like multiple times when we're on we're on camera like <laughs> like 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 raise like reflexively raising our hands and looking at each other like gonna bring out the cane and shut us up and I mean that's that's you know it's a, it's a Matt deserves but yes will will also went on to compliment us even more he loves our style of easygoing conversations rather than the rigid checklist interviews see that's that's what you get when you have a pro like Craig. And then someone like me who has absolutely no plan coming to anything about what I'm going to say. You get, but you're a great conversationalist, Sean. Oh, that's what I try to lean into. Thank you very much. Here's what I would like to know. The analytics on your questions, how many are questions versus how many are your observations? I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm honestly trying to get better than that because no, I feel I'm, like... I'm, it's I feel not like, a criticism. No, 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 I'm no. Just... I feel like there are a couple... I feel like I was leaning into that too hard, honestly. I, we've joked about this before, but like way too many times I'm just like, yeah, well... That's pretty crazy, huh? That's like, like you could just, <laughs> like tag, you could just tag that on to every question I ask and it would, it would fit perfectly. Yeah, I'm actually trying to ask more pointed stuff. At hey, this. Matt, remember that one time? <clears throat> yeah, remember that one time? Remember? Uh, in the Uber? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I like, oh, wait, actually, I actually don't want to talk about that. Uh, um, but I, I think that's part of what we're trying to do here. And like, I, I really almost go out of my way to try to make it as conversational as possible because it's, it's a podcast. It's not radio. People just want to yeah. hear us. I think that's the way it works is people want to just hear us BS for a while. And sometimes the balance gets a little out of whack for sure. But those are the bricks of the game. Um, Jason K. Hey, guys. I'll be visiting both Pittsburgh and Detroit to see some baseball this summer. Is there one hidden Great. gem restaurant I need to visit when I'm there? Also, any wrecks on things to do? I balance out baseball with museums for the fiance, so any help there is appreciated mm. too. Uh, Jason, there are a weird amount of good museums okay. in Pittsburgh, probably probably more than you would think. The Andy Warhol Museum is right by the ballpark. That's always a blast. It's a little expensive. Um, and then there's a really good uh, National Museum of History in Oakland on Forbes Avenue. It's a, it's a Carnegie uh it's a Carnegie Natural Museum of History. There's also an, an art museum there as well. So you're set. Um, Hidden Gem Restaurants. Just hit me back later because I, I could. I'm could talk about this for. What do you mean way, hit him back? Way, way, way How is he going to hit you back later? This is his only can, way. To he talk can to find you. me. Like whatever. Just DM me on Twitter or something. Here's Hidden, you, Hidden Gem Restaurants. Here's what I'll say, Jason. Coward. Jason, uh, do not eat by the ballpark. Mm. Stay away from the North Shore. Do not eat at those restaurants. Those are bars and they're fine. They serve a purpose, but they're bars for people coming out of the arena or coming out of the stadium and coming out of the ballpark. If you're over on the North side, um, go to beers pub. It's B I E R S great burgers, great beer. It's a little bit farther up on the North side, uh, from, from the, from the, from the ballpark, but it's really good. And if you're there also maybe hit up, Maybe hit up uh, Federal Galley up there. It's a food hall. Some good restaurant incubators there. Um, and that's just that's just in the in the North Shore area. But enjoy. Now I gotta feel like I gotta follow up Detroit. I'm and assuming t- you're going to Mc- the Detroit Tipsy McStaggers. Besides, he said no Tipsy McStaggers, which is obviously one, my go-to. Rack the one in the, own, the one and only choice. <laughs> um, I would say if you're gonna go to the Detroit Institute of Arts. The DIA, which I would recommend. Um, there's a great little place called Chartreuse. It's, I'm, I'm pulling it up now on the Google Maps. On the, I talk like I'm a thousand. On the Googles. Chartreuse Kitchen and Cocktails. And that became my... Um, I, I'm attached to it because when we launched The Athletic Detroit and I was meeting writers, like I would meet Max there and I, Katie and all these people. We, like anytime... Or, or we were trying to recruit a writer. It just became like the, the place. It was a, It's a good meal. Like one of those places that's putting, you know, Fried eggs and weird things, you know, like that kind of place. But um, like herbs growing on the walls. But really just a cool vibe. And it's right next to the DIA. So that uh, like do a lunch and a, and a wander around and I think you'll be happy. It's, it's, and it's right by Wayne State. Um, so just a cool area, part of Detroit. And then I like Corktown if you're looking for just something offbeat. Perfect. I think that's it. That's that's it in the comments. We just had another... Another... Uh 
Another one pumping our tires from Chris J. Talking about how great and insightful we are. Oh, why? You, you're not going to read that one? I think you should. Very insightful interview with Matt Duchesne. Wish he would have stayed in Columbus. But I don't, you know, he said he also would like to hear what he thought of Tort's pregame speech ahead of 2019 uh, in the playoffs game one against Tampa, which is, I also, I, I, <laughs> I would like to hear that. You could like, I feel like any playoff game, any pre-playoff Tort's speech, you could just throw a dart. I'm sure, I'm sure it was great. Do you um, have a personal favorite John Tortorella moment? Me? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Um, just the times he yelled at me for asking about the other players in the other team before I knew that was a thing with him. Um, I, here's okay. the thing that people don't realize about John Tortorella. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have a favorite moment because um, I remember going to Columbus and it was an off day. And I don't remember why I was in Columbus, but it was just, you know, a practice day. And he gets this reputation. If you catch him after games... Um, he's short and you don't want to really talk to him in the media. It's terrible. And he's fighting with Brooksy with all, all the things that you all see. I, this happened to be a moment in time where it was a practice day. We, it, it, you know, there's a small group of us and John just like he did his, he did his thing at the podium and then he just wandered over and, you know, Porty and I head over and just, he just was chatting and he couldn't have been like, he just loved, Whatever I was working on, it was right up his, I don't remember what it was, but he was just happy to talk about it. And, um, and so like, and then Porty, you know, this is one of the all time conversationalists in that, in that atmosphere. And we probably got like, I don't know, 45 minutes. And I don't even think it was off the record. Like, I do think we had the, the mics going, but it was just so casual and probably no cameras. And like, when you get that time, I, I always just when you get that insight from somebody who's telling great stories and stuff you've never heard before, and especially when it's somebody who has a reputation of being like you know what you see on TV, I, that's my favorite John Tortorella. The no camera stuff is real. I'm, I, I don't know how much that seems like an industry thing that you know maybe listeners don't care about or don't realize, but and that's not to knock people doing TV work either. But no. whenever those, whenever it's that's human nature to behave differently and couch your answers differently and speak differently when you're sitting in a podium or you have, or you're Mm -hmm. standing around your locker and you have three TV cameras, you know, jammed in your face. That is a very, very real thing. Players are different and coaches are different. And the questions you see from journalists are different too. Print, Print journalists ask different questions whenever, whenever TV cameras are running. Versus, versus not. So you know, I, and, and I've really come to terms with that. First of all, I will say I, this is the stuff I miss. I miss this desperately. Like my current position, I don't go into dressing rooms. People aren't. Nobody writers, does. We, well, first off, nobody yeah. nobody really right. does. Still, we're yeah. we're finally still back in that phase. Conference. Yeah, we're not even. So like, it's been two years. Like, I mean, like it's been two years since I've been in a like where you're just sitting down next to someone who's really interesting and you're asking questions and, um. I miss that. Like, I really, like, desperately. Oh I, that was God. one of my favorite parts of my job. And, and I mean, that's, um, that should be a bigger part of my job still than it is. And I'm completely out of practice with it because the Penguins had no locker room, have and haven't had locker room access for years. And that's home base here, right? So, yeah, it's such, it, it, you really can't underestimate the hassle of, of dealing, of dealing. And I, we know that they're in place for, for a good reason and whatever, right. but it just doesn't make for, insightful conversations which is a big part of the job and like i know i i, I miss it you know and that's not yeah i mean that's seriously like you were and you specifically and i don't know, whatever i'll say this because who cares like you are better at that than anybody i've seen like i'm i'm a mucker and a grinder right like i ask b minus questions it's not it's not my thing I, i'm better at other stuff it's always like a, it's always half a struggle for me like you know existing in that in that sphere i do fine but watching someone like you work a room, like I since not to get like whatever corny here, but I, I really do. I miss it. And that's something I'm really excited for in the playoffs is not to just not to just work rooms yourself is to see other people doing it. Because that is a very fun, very nerdy part of the job is seeing yeah. guys like you and Elliot Friedman and whoever else figure out ways to talk to players and kind of have those conversations because you do it differently than the rest of us do. Um, thanks, Sean. It's nice. Welcome. Now That's I miss it. Like I won't be doing it. You get to you get to go back in the rooms, and I got to go on. It's cornball, but it's but it's but it's com- it's completely true. 
I like thanks, Sean. That's I appreciate that. Um, I the one of the best you mentioned. I mean, Elliot and some of the veterans. I used to love um, Doc Emmerich watching him because he truly would go into a like after a skate or whatever, and Doc was just trying to get some anecdote. Um, and so he's he's likable, anyways. He walks in and everybody like nobody's like he walks in. And he uh, always had Doc's he, here. Oh my god! And he always had always had like a notebook and stuff. Was always yeah, was always was always taking notes. Just, yeah, just kind of like just, just kind of like like, <laughs> like puttering around the dressing room. Basically, it, it was it's uh, great. It was and, and he would just sit down and guys would just light up like. Even if like somebody like you know you and I and people might know okay they're they're fine talking to us but like Doc would sit down and people were excited to talk to Doc. People actually wanted to talk to him. They crazy. Imagine wanted that. to talk to him because he was asking about their family. He mm-hmm. genuinely cared. Like I cared about the story I was working on. It's it's a character <laughs> flaw. Doc like is a great human being and he cares about um, people and he just wanted. He's asking and he knew that you know family member names and uh, it's just. Like, if, he meet, if he meets you once, he's going to remember your name forever. Yes. Like he's one of those. He's one it of those guys. So which genuine. is crazy to me. Um, so yeah, that that like that's who I would sit and watch and go, oh, like I, to be that kind of person would be awesome. And right. whatever, and we're not. I forget your name all the time. <laughs> who am I doing a podcast with? What's this guy? Uh, all right. <sighs> and that's Wait, it. Sh- that's a nice. That's, that's a nice that's way to. That's, nice that's way a nice to way to, to put a to put a pin in things here. Um, we've got the Hockey Show Wednesdays, Julian McKenzie joining the round table with Rod Pizzo, Sarah Sivian, and Jesse Granger, as usual. Uh, also, shout out the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all of the great bonus content. And if you listened last week to the bonus content, Sean and I predicted everything accurately <laughs> on trade deadline. Correctly. Hey, this Nailed is, everything. I, this is a good, this should be a good week for the Wednesday show because I think Jesse covers the Knights. And Sarah, who covers the Hurricanes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. should have quite a bit to talk about. I think those are interesting yes. deadlines for those teams in, in their own in their own ways. And not to mention Julian and Montreal, like like Pierre touched on today. Montreal had a st- stellar uh, performance from start to finish. I will say, not to drag this out, I'm less impressed when people sell. Like I feel like you and I could sell. Like I could, you know what I mean? Like I could get first round picks and second round picks. I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating. We, so we did this, we did this all 32 thing, which is live on the web. It's live on the website where uh, one writer graded out every team on a scale of one to 10. I had the, I had the Panthers um, and I gave them a nine and accidentally put them at the top of the list. Like I gave them the best grade out of everybody, which yeah wasn't exactly trying to do. But so I'm reading this and I see Eric Stevens grade for the, ducks right below mine i'm just like oh god like how good how good could it have been right but right. it was like you sometimes you got to give you got to give some credit to teams for that it, it's got it and it's got to be good it's got to be good to 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 merit to merit discussion but i think that's where anaheim was all right well thanks again to pierre lebrun for joining the the uh, the podcast. Maybe next time we're going to do it from his cottage, as we, that we like to Which talk is, about it all. The address times. is one <laughs> one two two Boogie Woogie Avenue. Oh, is that what it is? I thought yeah. maybe we'd get an invite if we kind of dragged that into two segments. We gave him two segments. Maybe at the end, you, got, like, hey guys, you, don't you get the invite. Summer, you... I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not. I'm no. also not close. I'm, I'm not close enough to to get there. We'll see. Maybe someday. We'll see. Um, so thanks to Pierre thanks to producer Jeff as always for doing the real work behind the show and thank you for listening everybody have a good week send some iPhone comments on that on the (laughs) episode page baby